I probably knew before the start of last season that it was my last year. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 91 of This Week in Sports. I am indeed the Pody back after a, what is it, a two-week hiatus, I believe, the longest break I've taken to date um, in terms of this podcast. And most notably, why? Well, because coronavirus, COVID-19, has put a halt to sports, so there's not really been too much to talk about. And I know, realistically, people aren't listening to this podcast as much while they're stuck at home because podcasts are a medium, of a form of entertainment that is mostly uh, consumed in the car, commuting to work or on the train or wherever, you know, you commute back and forth to and from work. So the viewership, the numbers are going to be down naturally. Um, just a quick update. We did. We are continuing to pump out the Glorious House of Gains podcast on a weekly basis with a bit of a skeleton crew. Um, we had that episode last night. I think it was funny as hell. So if you want to go check that out, you can check that out on SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcasts, all your major podcasting uh, spots that you like to listen, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, you can grab it on there, as as well as this show, I'm on all the major podcasting platforms, um, so that sound clip you just heard at the top of the show, that was Tom Brady talking in a little over two hour long interview with Howard Stern on the radio, talking about all of it, that clip obviously, uh, get him giving a sense of when he kind of knew that he his time with the Patriots was over. He went in depth on his relationship with his family and his and his wife Giselle, and how his um, mentality, his football, he was putting football um, first and foremost, and, and it strained their relationship a little bit to the point where he had to start uh, skipping OTAs even to help build that relationship back with his family because she brought up points about you know when are you going to be here for the family like are you going to pick up the kids ever from school so little things of that nature so those reports for all those years about their strained relationship that was legit that was real he did also go on to talk about his relationship with with uh the new england area um he he said that his time with the patriots might be over but not necessarily his time in that you know in in the uh in the uh, Northeast, in the Massachusetts area. He is right now renting Derek Jeter's home in the Tampa Bay area. So maybe not so permanent. You never know. Um, so we'll see how that how that all folds into itself. We don't really necessarily know how long Brady is going to be with Tampa Bay. It's a two-year deal. He's getting up there in age. We don't know what he has left. I still think uh, personally that he's going to be amazing and that this team has a serious shot to win a Super Bowl. But hey, um, maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. Who knows if we'll even have a season with everything going on with this virus. Um, So yeah, if you want to go listen to that interview, like I said, it was a little bit over two hours. It is a great interview, a lot of insight, um, but that was the big takeaway is that soundbite that I played for you is that he knew well before this past season that he was probably going going to leave the Patriots, okay? And he has no uh, resentment towards Bill Belichick. He said the relationship is great and, and, you know, nothing nothing towards him, no resentment that he didn't make Brady a Patriot for life or any 
deal like that or anything. So, okay, without further ado, let's um, let's dive right in and um, we are we're we're gonna start with with some golf updates. Um, obviously, this was supposed to be the week of the Masters, but first, guys, I- I'm glad to be back. You know, I said I took a couple weeks off and. You know, I was just so much, I was kind of being lazy with it. I wanted to do it last week, but then I was kind of like, what am I going to talk about? It's really just NFL draft stuff, and there's not too much going on. But this week, we really uh, have a lot going on in sports, actually, if you can believe that. Uh, there's a quite quite a bit going on that I will catch you guys up to date on. Um, but if you're feeling a little gloom and doom, if you're not feeling great, if, you know, you're starting to get emotional you were what three almost four weeks into into this um into this pandemic here and it doesn't look like it's showing any signs of slowing down especially here in New Jersey it's a hotbed second uh you know number two state in the country behind New York in terms of cases and and the deaths are just continuing each and every day there was another 3600 positive tests as of today according to our governor um so if you're feeling a little gloomy you know the weather's been crazy the wind was insane this morning it's still going on it's been raining on and off the last couple of days i just have uh, one piece of advice for you um and 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 that would be uh this there's no crying in baseball or in this case there's no crying in quarantine come on people there's plenty of stuff to do i don't want to hear it um you know my mother's going a little stir crazy she's cleaning everything in sight i was looking for oven mitts the other day i think yesterday in fact and i couldn't find them because she had moved them into another cabinet um and, and you know it kind of pissed me off so you know just hang in there there's still a lot going on that you can consume in this in terms of sports to get your sports fix okay there is a great documentary i didn't get a chance to watch it but i will watch it this weekend the scheme on hbo okay it's got to do with the whole fbi co- you know the uh, college basketball scandal with um with uh you know Arizona and LSU and a couple of the big time schools paying players so that's a 2 hour program that you can watch and catch on HBO if you have that okay ESPN has been re-airing all of the Masters and if you have ESPN Plus or Disney Plus forget about it you are set for the next couple of months you have every Disney sports movie you can think of you have all of ESPN Plus's 30 for 30s you know the 60 minutes you name it you are set so don't tell me that you're bored and personally me I have been I have been gaming every single day my friends who don't normally uh, play video games all that much or haven't in a couple years because they're stuck at home themselves they have gone out they have bought Xboxes PlayStation 4s you name it and we're all jumping in on Call of Duty Modern Warfare and we're going squad deep we've been playing every day for the most part um, and yeah, it's been a really good time. So whether that's your thing or not, who knows, but just there's something for everyone. I know you're going a little stir crazy. They've really, uh, closed all of the parks at this point. So there's not much to do in, in terms of going outside. And if you are a little bit older and more perceptive, uh, you know, and, and more likely to, to contract this disease, or you have underlying health conditions like myself, cause I have, um, uh, I have an autoimmune disease or disorder, uh, Crohn's disease. So my immune system is a little bit weaker, but, uh, knock on wood, I haven't been sick in the longest time. I can't even remember the last time I was sick, but I am taking precautions. I'm only going to the uh, Glorious House of Gains podcast. I haven't gone anywhere else, grocery shopping or anything like that. Um, And we are uh, staying 
a few feet apart at the podcast, so that's good. I have my hand sanitizer while I'm there, all that good stuff. And if you do need groceries or something of that nature, try to get someone, maybe a younger family member to go for you. There are apps out there, Instacart, Shipped. There are apps where you can get your groceries delivered. Walmart is even delivering groceries as well. Um, they have the Walmart grocery app. There's so many different ways that you can, you know, uh, you know, flatten the curve as they're trying to say by staying indoors. I know you're going stir crazy. You can jump on, you know, your group FaceTime or things like that, and you could just stay busy that way. So um, I know it's a lot. I know this is unprecedented times. And we've never experienced anything like this, and we don't know how much longer it is going to continue on like this, but we are stuck inside, and we have to just make the best of it, whether we like it or not. And I know um, you're going to yell at your family members, you are going to um, lose your minds a little bit. But like I said, just find what works for you. So far, what's worked for me and my family is we all just have our corners of the house. I'm in my room. My sister's in her room. My mom is in her room or cleaning or doing whatever. Uh, And my dad's usually on the couch or he's outside reading or, you know, doing stuff in the garage or taking a walk or or a drive to get out of the house and, and, and just do a little bit of something to stay sane. Um, so that's what's worked for us, sort of, for the most part. We still argue. We still yell. We're an Italian-Irish family. It's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, and I'm sure it's happening in everyone else's household, too, um, whether you're stuck inside by yourself or with two people, three people, four people, five people, whatever. It, it's bound to happen, okay? Um, we're not used to being stuck inside 24-7 with our family members for this long of a period of time. Usually we we have our separation where we go to work and we separate for eight or 10 hours and then we come home and then we we can, you know, sort of reset, but we don't have that. So again, we have to just make the best of it. And um, with that being said, let's dive right in and let's start with, uh, like I said, we're going to start at the top with the golf and uh, the 149th U- uh, Open Championship, excuse me, which was scheduled for all the way in July, July 16th through the 19th. That has officially been canceled. The tournament will now be moved to 2021, but there will be golf played this year. The PGA outlined their updated or their their revised uh, plan for resuming the PGA Tour. So there are three major the three major outline outlines to the revised schedule are as follows: the PGA Championship will now be played on August 9th. The U.S. Open will now take place on September 17th, and the Masters will commence on November 12th. The Masters, which you know was supposed to be taking place this weekend, um, it's actually the 15-year anniversary of Tiger Woods winning his fourth Masters at the time, becoming just the third player ever to do so. So it's a bit, uh, it's a little bittersweet the fact that we don't have golf uh, this weekend on this Easter weekend. Um, the PGA is also hoping to resume tour play by mid-June, but it is unclear whether spectators will be allowed in. So my guess is no. Um, I, I, I just it, it's tough because the NBA is is in a similar situation. Do they want to resume a, a little bit early? to where we have no fans or maybe push it back further to where we can then allow fans in. I don't know how that's going to look, but as these cases progress and this virus spreads more and more, then um, we might have to consider starting 
uh, up these seasons again or these leagues without spectators or without fans. Okay, moving right along, let's jump in and talk a little UFC. It's been an up and down roller coaster all week with the UFC. Dana White announced on Monday, I'll just break down the timeline because it changed on a day-to-day basis. Dana White announced Monday that UFC 249 will play on as scheduled on April 18th. So that is in a week, eight days from today. Headlining that card were lightweight Number one contender Tony Ferguson and Justin Gagey, who was uh, brought in to replace um, Khabib, who could not get out of Russia due to the coronavirus. Um, rumors are, rumors were that Dana White was trying to secure an island to make this fight happen. More on that later. Okay, then um, what was it? When uh, Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday, Dana White then came out and said that. He is planning to host the MMA showcase, uh, UFC 249, and other fights at the Tachi Palace Casino Resort, which is um, a casino on Central California tribal land about 30 miles south of Fresno. The move to hold the event on the tribal land was an effort to circumvent state and federal safety guidelines, it is my understanding. But then um, we had the bombshell, which was yesterday, and I'll uh, let Dana White explain that. We've been fighting nonstop all day and all night since this pandemic started to uh, to put on this event on April 18th. And today we got a call from the highest level you can go at Disney mm-hmm. and the highest level uh, of, of ESPN. And uh, one thing that I've said since we started our relationship and partnership with ESPN that has been an incredible one. It's been an amazing uh, partnership. Uh, ESPN has been very, very good to us. And the powers that be there asked me to stand down and not do this event next Saturday. So there you have it. The fight has officially been called off because the powers that be at Disney and ESPN, who basically own Dana White and the UFC now that they made that um, partnership with ESPN Plus and the whole pay-per-view stuff. So they tell him to stand down. Uh, Dana White did go on to say, though, that this guy, he seems like the, the, the biggest, like the best like bro that you can think of like I feel like if I knew Dana White in real life he would be just a cool dude he he's gonna shoot it straight to you and he's not gonna hold pull his punches and I think he's just a genuine guy he did go on to say that he's going to absolutely take care of his players and employees and the UFC will be back probably before any other sport all of my fighters that are under contract with me I want them to feel safe Take time with your families and, and uh, you know, enjoy this time. Don't worry about the financial part of this. You're going to get the fights on your contract, and I'm going to make things, you know, uh, right with the people who are willing to step up and fight this weekend. And not this weekend, but next weekend on April 18th. And I'm going to take care of as many people as I possibly can and, and, and do whatever it takes to make these guys all feel comfortable. All of my employees, nobody's getting laid off at the UFC everybody's good mm-hmm. we will be the first um sport back fight island is real <laughs> it's a real thing the infrastructure is being built right now yeah and uh that's really going to happen and it will be on espn so there you have it unfortunately no ufc next saturday 
But um, yeah, he did hint there that that whole thing of him buying an island or securing an island to have these fights, these upcoming fights, that is real, according to Dana White. Um, so we have that to look forward to. And he said that it'll be the first sport back. So, hey, it's something I'm not a huge UFC guy, but I do watch when it's the bigger tier, you know, the big card fights. And uh, this was supposed to be, you know, pretty big. So, um, yeah, we'll have to just wait a little bit longer. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk NBA. And I'm not going to try to keep you guys here for a huge long hour hour show. I'm going to try to keep this um, as quickly as possible. Of course, I say that and then it's going to end up being like an hour long. But uh, uh, let's let's move on. The NBA, the 2020 Basketball Hall of Fame class was announced. And honestly, it is one of the best ever. I'm not just saying that because these guys all played in, in you know my lifetime and I got to see them pretty much from start to finish. But between uh, headlining th- this class is, of course, the late, great Kobe Bryant Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. Between the three, these guys have won 11 NBA titles. They uh, appeared in 48 All-Star games and four MVP honors. Um, I'm going to just play a clip of what each of them had to say, starting here with uh, Tim Duncan and his thoughts on joining the Hall of Fame. Um, It was an incredible career that uh, I enjoyed so much um, to call it a dream come true is, isn't even doing any justice because I never dreamt I'd be at this point. Um, I played the game, enjoyed the game, loved what I did. Being here now, the, the guys that I'm maybe put in that the Hall of Fame with, just a, uh, an amazing class. So there you have it, the always humble Tim Duncan. And then, of course, here's Kevin Garnett and his thoughts. It's the culmination. Reese, it's the culmination, man. I, you know, you put countless hours into this. You dedicate yourself to a craft. You take no days off. You play through injury. You play through, you play through demise. You play through obstacles. You give no excuses for anything. You learn. You build. Like this is the culmination. All those hours of, of everything that you've ever, you know, put up for. <clears throat> for it all, man. This this is what you do it for, right here. To be to, to be able to be called Hall of Famer is everything. And sorry if there's any little bit of like audio that you're hearing in the background. That is the clip that I cut for, for this audio. They were interviewing Kevin Garnett and uh, Tim Duncan, and they were playing just some of their highlights in the background. And I didn't really like the way it sounded, so I tried to clean it up as best as possible. Can't get rid of it fully. And then finally, um, they were able to secure ESPN was. Um, Vanessa Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant's um, wife, and here's what she had to say. It's the culmination. Whoops, excuse me. That was Kevin Garnett again. Wrong button. Incredible um, accomplishment and honor, and we're extremely proud of him. Um, Obviously, we wish that he was here with us to celebrate, but it's definitely the peak of his NBA career and, and every accomplishment that he had as an athlete was a stepping stone to be here so um we're incredibly proud of him and um there's some solace in knowing that he was probably going to be a part of the 2020 hall of fame class 
There was no probably. He was absolutely always going to be a Hall of Famer, and it feels cruel that we're not going to get a speech from Kobe. We're not going to get to see him walk across that stage, and it's just, again, it brings back those emotions, and I just cannot fathom or even believe that it has been, what, three months since he uh, perished in that horrific plane crash with his daughter and seven others. Just tragic, tragic, tragic. But uh, yes, so those three inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'll give you a little background on them. Uh, Not that they need much of it, but uh, this just shows how great these three players were. Okay, Um, we'll start with Kobe Bryant since I just mentioned him and we just left off with him. Um, But he was the epitome of an absolute winner and a competitor, okay? He won five NBA titles, three of those with Shaq, but then he won two um, on his own in back-to-back fashion in 09 and 010, actually made it to the finals three straight years in 08, but was beaten by uh, Garnett's uh, Celtics team there, which I'll get into. And then, of course, Kobe was a two-time NBA Finals MVP. And, of course, on January 22, 2006, he scored a whopping 81 points versus the Raptors, the second most points in a game in NBA history. And I remember that game. It was at Staples Center, so it was a West Coast game, and I had school, so I, of course, couldn't stay up and watch it, but I remember watching um, some of the beginning. Uh, I think maybe I saw the first half, and then I remember waking up and seeing that he scored the second most points ever in an NBA game behind Wilt Chamberlain's 100, of course. Um, And then there's Tim Duncan. He would go on to, uh, you know, be drafted uh, in the first round, of course, he he wasn't a flashy player, but he might go down as arguably the best, most efficient power forward of all time. He came into the league as one half of the Twin Towers alongside David Robinson. They won two titles together. Uh, most people don't really remember that because it was such a Uh, an early part of his career. They really remember the crux of his career where he would go on to win those three more championships with Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. He was also a three-time NBA Finals MVP. And, um, And then speaking on Kevin Garnett, like Kobe, Garnett entered the NBA straight out of high school. He was drafted number five overall by the Timberwolves, a 15-time All-Star on a really bad team. It wasn't until he was traded to the Boston Celtics where he uh, joined legendary status after the 2008 season, which culminated in him uh, finally securing the bag, winning an NBA title alongside Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. They beat, of course, Kobe's uh, Lakers team that year. He was also NBA MVP in 2004, and recently he was in the movie Uncut Gems alongside Adam Sandler. So, we, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, stepping his toe into the acting world a little bit. Okay, um, weirdly enough, The NBA and ESPN are finalizing a deal to televise an epic game of horse. So I will dive into that. What does that all mean? So here are the details on that because this sort of just came in. So we have the likes of Chris Paul, Trey Young, Tamika Catchings, um, Chauncey Billups, and I think a couple others, Zach Levine, are going to partake in this game of horse. They're going to do so from the confines of their own home court gyms. Not really sure what that's going to look like, but it will be televised by ESPN. 
Um, so let's see. Uh, the There will be a couple of WNBA stars, including uh, Hall of Famer Tamika Catchings and fairly recent NBA alum playing in a single. It's going to be a single elimination format. Um, I know Trey Young was tweeting to Zach Levine, absolutely no dunking, uh, which is pretty funny. But basically, the first round matchups that we will get um, are going to be Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups, Tamika Catchings versus Mike, Mike Conley, Zach Levine versus Paul Pierce, and Chris Paul versus Allie Quigley of the Chicago Sky. Title sponsor will be State Farm. They will donate more than $200,000 in support of coronavirus response efforts. Uh, of course, the NBA suspended play March 12th because of this pandemic. So this is, I guess, a little something, um, and it's set to start this Sunday, I believe. So, um, yeah, tune in to ESPN for coverage of an epic horse competition. I know they did something similar back in like 2009 and 2010, and Kevin Durant was the undisputed champ in both those years. So if he was playing in this one, um, my money would be on him. But right now, if I had to pick somebody, because Trey Young has ridiculous range a la Steph Curry. I'm going to take Trey Young, actually. Um, I don't see anybody. Maybe Chauncey. Chauncey Billups, he could be a sneaky pick. Um, So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye out for. Of course, Trey Young is facing off against Chauncey Billups. So I like, actually, the the winner of that matchup to uh, come out on top. So, yeah, should be interesting. I don't know how entertaining it's going to be or watchable it's going to be but listen it's sports we all need our fix right now so it's something so tune in Sunday um, to watch that and then also last little bit here on the NBA the Bulls are hiring Denver Nuggets GM Arturis Karnasovas as their new VP of basketball operations and he is expected to hire a person of color to replace current GM Gar Foreman in the near future. So that is your NBA roundup and uh, moving right along. Let's dive in and talk some major league baseball. There was a report out this week that um, base the, the league, Rob Manfred, major league baseball, they are going to great lengths to try and salvage the season. Of course, we have not seen um, baseball in 2020 yet. The start of the season has come and gone and we're awaiting Uh, an official start date um, when this is all set and done. But there is a new proposal out this week that would see the season starting as soon as May, where all 30 teams would play in isolation in Arizona with no fans at minor league stadiums or spring training uh, stadiums. And this is going to be like they're going to quarantine these teams for about four to five months in isolation. That is the hiccup here, and that is the problem. A lot of players were tweeting, and they had issue. They took issue with the fact that they would be sequestered for possibly four, five months away from their families if they have young children, which honestly, um, it's tough. But if it means getting baseball back, selfish for selfish reasons, I kind of don't mind it. There was, uh, I think, one or two players I saw that were sort of for it, if they could do it properly, if, you know, they can ensure that, you know, everybody is healthy and there's not going to be any health concerns and they would be for it. Um, But an official statement from Major League Baseball kind of 
put the kibosh on this. They they said health and safety are paramount, and we are not ready at this time to endorse any particular format for staging games. So really, that kind of is you know up in the air. Just a little proposal here, not really going to happen. Um, cool bit of news: Justin Verlander, he is set to donate his paychecks that he receives from Major League Baseball. He has pledged to donate each paycheck he receives during the coronavirus shutdown to those impacted by COVID-19. And this is the ridiculous part. So Verlander is due to receive $4,775 each day through May 24th. That comes out to $33,425 per week. So all in all, he is set to donate about $267,400 in total. Just ridiculous. So kudos to him. I'm sure he's not the only player doing that. I just happen to see that uh, headline this week. And then um, RIP to a legend, Tigers outfielder Al Kaline dies at the age of 85. It, uh, they did not say what, or I didn't read at the time of his passing what he he died from. I don't know if it was Corona or not, but um, he played just a great overall player. 22 seasons, he established himself as one of the best Tigers of all time. He was selected to 18 All-Star teams, earned 10 Gold Glove awards, won the 1955 batting title, and led the Tigers to a World Series win in 1968. During his career, he played 2,834 games, all of which came with the Tigers. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1980 in his first year of eligibility. At the time, K-Line was only the 10th player in Major League Baseball history to make the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. So uh, yeah, lost a legend. So RIP to Al K-Line. Okay, let's talk NFL. This is the closest thing we have coming up. It is the NFL draft in just under, uh, let's see, what is it going to be? April 24th, I think, is the NFL draft. So, or April 27th. Um, let's see, it is starting on April 24th is a Friday. Isn't it usually on a Thursday? I don't know. I'm all... Yeah, round one of the NFL draft is on April Thursday, April 23rd. Um, I know because I watched that religiously because the Jets are usually picking atop the first round, so I don't usually want to miss that. So yeah, we've got the uh, draft coming up on the 23rd through that weekend, of course. And the NFL has announced officially that the draft is moving completely virtual. It is going all online. This will mean online meetings for teams, which um, from what I read earlier this week, many teams, most of the teams, I should say, are extremely concerned with hackers and vulnerabilities in, in cybersecurity as they go about this draft because they don't want it to be compromised. They don't want their big boards to be leaked or players that they're interested in to be leaked, things of that nature. So I know uh, um, this past week, week and a half, if you haven't heard um, or if your job doesn't require it, but a lot of um, what's been going on lately in the news is something called Zoom bombing. So Zoom is a very popular um, online meeting uh, app that you can 
you know, a video chatting app, excuse me, that a lot of companies are using to interact with one another. Schools are using them and and, um, universities and big companies are using them. You could have up to like 100 people in the Zoom meeting and it's just a, you know, it's like FaceTime, uh, but it's with big groups and, you know, you could change your background and do sorts of fun stuff. But what's been happening is there's been vulnerabilities in the code and there are these hackers that are able to get into these meetings or get the meeting IDs and they're able to get into these meetings and they are um, basically zoom bombing is jumping into a meeting that you're not invited to and shouting a bunch of racist stuff and uh, racial epithets and and racial slurs and then what they'll do is they'll just throw up some pornography and start playing some pornography on what whether it's a town council meeting or I saw one it was a Florida student government uh, group that was meeting and the president had to tweet something out so um, I know a lot of these a lot of these teams are concerned one GM uh, went as far as to say they aren't going to be using Zoom for the draft. I think by now all the teams have officially um, taken themselves off of Zoom for the draft. This particular GM went on to say that they, he was working with his IT department and they already took, like I said, all of the team meetings off of Zoom and moved them into Microsoft Teams, which funny enough, I use Microsoft Teams with my job. Uh, That's what we've been using to communicate. He went on to say that his people, his IT people, think Microsoft is the most difficult to penetrate and he doesn't want to take any chances. So good to know I work in IT. So uh, the fact that we're using Microsoft Teams and, uh, you know, an IT department from an NFL team is suggesting that it's the most secure to penetrate is a great sign. So uh, yeah, I suggest using Microsoft Teams. It is a great tool out there. It's a you could chat, you can video uh, conference, all that good stuff. It's really great. Okay, so um, I know that there were three GMs also that went as far as to say that full draft boards will be maintained only on the team's cloud and internal servers, with instructions given to everyone during the draft that the board isn't allowed to appear on the video conferencing feed. So they are taking this very seriously, okay? I know John Harbaugh said that anytime he's been reading about this whole Zoom bombing and different articles in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, he's been texting it to his head of IT, his IT department, and they've been working very closely. They're going to have to really make sure that they ensure that everything is uh, buttoned up and they have everything on lock and that nothing gets leaked come April 23rd's draft. I think I want to say 58 or 62, somewhere in that number of players are going to be participating in the draft. So what's go, what this draft, I believe, if I have it um, correct in my mind or how I understand it to be, is that you're going to have, I guess they're going to be showing on ESPN, usually televises it, NFL Network, they're going to be showing the war rooms essentially, um, I don't know if this is going to be a, a typical war room where everyone is in the war room or maybe some personnel like the GM and the coach are in the war room and the rest of the personnel are, you know, on one of those video conferencing apps and they're, that's how they're like Skyping in. But I, I understand that they're going to be showing the war room when it's time for that team to pick. I guess, you know, um, the commissioner or however this is going to work, yeah, it would be the commissioner normally is going to come and announce the pick and um, then the next team goes. But I don't know, maybe necessarily, because they don't normally show the war room for the most part. 
We're not going to see them deliberating or anything. So it's going to be interesting how that plays out. And then the 58 players that I guess are participating is my understanding is they'll have cameras in their home. And it just like in the normal draft, how they show players that are not at the draft when they are at home or at a local restaurant or somewhere watching the draft, they hear their name uh, called. You can see them on the phone, answering the phone, and, and all that interaction. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't think a whole lot's gonna change. Um, so I'm excited. It is it is sports. That's what I'm looking for. The draft is always a big moment each year for me as a Jets fan. I love to see who they're taking in the first round and really all seven rounds. So it's it's going to be something to watch, and this is unprecedented territory. Could be the only time that we ever see a virtual draft because it was supposed to be in Vegas, and now it won't be. So there's that. Okay, and then um, let's see. Moving forward. Okay, here's a big one. Yesterday, TMZ drops a bomb kind of like a woge bomb here. They report that former running back Chris Johnson, a.k.a. CJ2K, obviously everybody knows him, Titans, great, ran for 2006 rushing yards in 2009 with the Tennessee Titans. He did play a season with my New York Jets. Um, but actually, surprisingly, before this, uh, this report came out, a day prior, I think Chris Johnson was taking shots at the New York Jets and saying, I don't, he, he wonders why he ever went to the Jets over a team like the Baltimore Ravens because it was his worst season when he did go to the Jets. But anyway, this report, this bombshell of a report drops from TMZ citing Chris Johnson involved in a 2016 murder for hire plot in which Chris Johnson allegedly paid off a gang member who then went and killed two men suspected of murdering Chris Johnson's friend um, in 2005. So as of right now, Chris Johnson is not facing any charges. A rep for Johnson told TMZ there's no validity to any of these accusations. CJ himself then went uh, as far as to tweet false news with an exclamation point. So let me just break this down for you because a lot of you might remember back in 2015, it was the offseason and Chris Johnson just before uh, it was in between him leaving the Jets and signing with the Arizona Cardinals, he was shot in the shoulder. I want to say they never were able to remove the bullet and it's still stuck in there, the shrapnel. But anyway, so back in uh, March of 2015, he was was involved in a drive-by shooting in Orlando, Florida. Of course, it was at 4 a.m. because that's when all the nefarious stuff happened is well after midnight when you should be at home sleeping. Nothing good comes after 2 a.m. when the bars close. But anyway, Johnson and two other men, I'm assuming they were friends of his, they were in a Jeep, stopped at a traffic light, okay, when a man from another vehicle opened fire on their Jeep. Johnson and a passenger, Reggie Johnson, were shot in the shoulder while the driver, Adricius Arico Johnson, was killed. So I don't know. They all have this the same last name of Johnson. It's a common name. I don't know if they're all related. But anyway, officials say months later, a noted Florida gang member named Dominic Bolden shot and killed two men, one on January 19th, 2016, and one on July 24th, 2016, who were believed to be the shooters in the March 2015 incident involving Christopher Johnson and his friend that was killed. Officials also claim an informant told them as a reward for Bolden's alleged actions, Chris helped the guy become a leader of a famed drug trafficking organization in Florida. Bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. Like, 
total bombshell, guys. Okay, this has got like, uh, you know, this is giving me flashbacks to sort of like Aaron Hernandez type stuff. Here, here, here's what I will say. All hypotheticals, you know, I don't condone murdering anybody or killing anybody or anything, but I'm sorry. These murder for hire plots, it don't much no, eh, it don't matter how much that you are paying somebody to go kill somebody else. You're never going to get away with it. These guys always talk. They have an informant. Oh, the informant, right. Yeah, it was probably, you know, the, the shooter, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. You don't pay somebody to, to do your dirty work. It never works. And like I said, all hypotheticals, but if it were me, you know, I'm not paying somebody to do the job. And I understand, arguably, you, you, you know, you're pissed off. Your, your possibly best friend was shot and killed. You were almost shot and hurt so badly that it could have ended your football career, although he didn't last much longer after that. But uh, yeah, so this is sort of a bombshell. He's not, you know, being charged with anything as of right now, but let's face it, he probably did it. I mean, sadly, um, I don't want to speculate anything because in this country, you're obviously innocent until proven guilty. And I have nothing against Chris Johnson. He was my favorite, favorite, favorite player to ever play Madden with. When I tell you, I used the Tennessee Titans with Vince Young and Chris Johnson, and I dominated in that game. I joined um, back, our local GameStop opened in these uh, these shops uh, right around the corner from my from my house. It was a brand new GameStop that had opened in there. They had a Madden tournament. I joined it. I actually dominated all these people that were you know older than me, and I made it to the finals. And actually, a uh, kid in my in my grade that was my age beat me on a, a last second field goal. But because of the per the rules, I was able to advance on to the next round um, that was about forty minutes away from me at another GameStop. Long story short, I went there, I dominated like the first game or two, and then um, I got greedy. I had a fourth and two under a minute. I didn't trust my defense back then to punt and th and then hold this kid off. He was probably younger than me, actually, and probably more nervous. I tried to go for a fourth and two, and I wanted to run it up the middle, you know, run around with Vince Young and get the first down. Well, I went to try to slide. I pulled a mistake of a rookie move, and... I pressed X too early before he was in a running position and he tried to throw it past the line of scrimmage and I ended up losing the game because I couldn't stop him on defense after that. So anyway, but back then that was my team. Chris Johnson, I would put him as kick returner and I freaking would dominate him and like Lendell White, I think. It was just fun times and Kenny Britt might have been on that team as well. Just awesome. And I loved Chris Johnson. I He was a cheat code. He was Michael Vick. 2004 Michael Vick after Michael Vick. So um, yeah, it was just awesome times. And I hope this isn't true. But you know, sadly, it, 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 it very well could be true. And I hate, I hate to see someone like this go to prison because so many times you hear of this, these guys leave the league, they're such talented uh, superstar athletes, and they blow their money, they have nothing else going for them. And, and the other thing is, why is he involved with gangs? I mean, you're a superstar athlete. What are you doing getting involved with gangs? And I'm sure that was probably his life growing up. But come on, man, you got to get out of that life and you got to, you know, surround yourself with better people. So yeah, that's the big story coming out of the NFL. And then to top that, we have Bill Nobrian making another boneheaded mistake. And yeah, from now on, that's what I'm going to call him is Bill Nobrian because he is the worst coach slash GM in the history of sports um, besides anybody related to the New York Jets because we all know that they're, uh, you know, sorry, excuse, sad excuse 
for a franchise. And by the way, it's been so long since I did my last episode that I had time to go and watch that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that has to do with the New York Jets and Larry David's friend in the show who commits suicide because he he just can't take any more uh you know sadness from the Jets disappointing him every year just hilarious episode go and watch it if you can on HBO I've never watched Curb until that episode but it was hysterical because I related so much to it um he hit every nail on the head in terms of you know the emotion and the angst that every New York Jets fan feels. So the big news from Bill O'Brien yesterday was the LA Rams traded Brandon Cooks and a future fourth round pick to the Houston Texans for a second round pick. So getting overlooked by all of this is actually the fact that for some reason, somehow, because Brandon Cooks in four of his six years in the league has a thousand yards receiving, this is going to be his fourth team in five years. I don't know how that is possible, but um, he, he is a very good speedy, undersized receiver, came out of Oklahoma State. I was hoping to God the Jets would have drafted him um, when, when you know he came out. Instead, I think they took like Jalen Saunders and he was out of the league in like a year and a half. But anyway, the problem for Brandon Cooks is he has sustained a few too many injuries, um, a lot of concussions. He's one concussion away from really ending his career probably. But let's look at the fact that Bill O'Brien traded away the best receiver in the NFL and basically just got Brandon Cooks as his replacement. And it, it is a, so bad because to trade a second round pick, I guess he was so desperate at this point. Um, and he traded DeAndre Hopkins. That was spite fueled. There was issues there. Clearly, um, he had issues with him because you don't trade the best player in, in at that position for, for basically uh, nothing. Um, okay, so yeah, Brandon Cooks is a solid little replacement, but my God, he he could have done he could have done better than a second round pick i would have i would have made that trade for you know i would have not accepted anything less than like a fourth round pick i would have been like give me brandon cooks here's a fourth round pick this is you'll be lucky to get this and the best part is uh, he claimed that the whole deandre thing had to do cuz he wanted more money and a restructured contract i'm pretty sure they're now paying brandon cooks he's counting more against the uh the cap for the texans i think it's like 16.8 million whereas deandre hopkins would have been a little bit less than that. So, I mean, this guy is a joke. He's a joke. So guess what? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to continue to call him Bill O'Brien throughout the entire season and throughout the rest of his tenure in Houston until he is fired, okay? Because I'm done with this guy. Sheesh. Um, Okay, let's move on. We had a bit of breaking news out of the XFL today. The league announced it was suspending operations and all employees have been laid off. This comes just weeks after the league canceled its season due to the coronavirus pandemic. A player on the Seattle Dragons did test positive for the virus, so that is it is possible that that is what prompted the shutdown because they are calling it a shutdown. So this does not bode well for the future of the XFL. But again, this isn't like the AAF or anything like that. Vince McMahon is running this and he has an infinite amount of money essentially. So it is possible that he could give the league another shot in 2021. But honestly, like I've said in the past, there these league these these uh you know these bridge leagues that are trying to exist outside the NFL. This is supposed to be like a minor league type thing. Um, They are not faring well. But again, 
now that the league is shut down, players can sign with uh, NFL teams, which a handful have done so already. Um, So yeah, um, that's the state of the XFL right now. Could be the last we have seen of it. Okay, we're at the end of the show, which is kind of cool. Um, Let's see. Uh, Yeah, I'm at the end of the show. So where are we at in terms of time? 46 minutes, not too bad. I'll keep you here for another two minutes or so on this date in sports. Take you back to April 10th, 1989, when Ken Griffey Jr., better known as The Kid, hit the very first of his 630 career home runs. Now has made the club and is going to play in center field for them. Whoops that one to left field. First swing is deep. Kittle back. Goodbye home run. His first swing at the kingdom. Yeah, many believe, you know, barring injury, that Ken Griffey Jr. could have been uh, the home run king of the world, um, even passing, you know, Barry Bonds' record and Hank Aaron. But he, you know, sustained a couple injuries, gained some weight in his latter years. Um, then he had that that um, one time where he's back with Seattle where he actually uh, was just like a pinch hitter at that point, and they called upon him to pinch hit, but he was somewhere in the facility and he fell asleep. So, uh, yeah, but again, the purest, greatest swing you will ever see from a left-handed, uh, the left-handed side of the plate, just a, a marvel. Um, kids wanted to be him. They played like him. Everybody wore their hat backwards to be like him. I know my that's my brother's uh, favorite player of all time is Ken Griffey. So, uh, yeah, so that's on this date in sports. And then I will, um, I will leave it there. I just want to say... Um, stay safe, everyone. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter to everyone. And I'm going to leave you on this note with a just f- hilarious soundbite from the likes of Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Take care, everybody. I can't remember if you said it or not, but do you do FaceTimes? Uh, yeah, we do Zoom. We do FaceTime. I mean, this the one positive of this for me is I even have an email now. So, um you know, I've I've come a long way. I was you hard, have. It was hard to communicate when you have to be by yourself and you always depend on somebody else to get your emails and messages <laughs> and all that. And it just didn't work. All right. And they were sending they were sending them all to Miss Terry. All right. She fired uh-huh. me and she said, I'm not dealing with your stuff anymore. So I had to do it on my own. Coach, last time I checked, you like weren't even doing text messages really. No, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> call me is like you know, that's about as far as it goes on the text part of it. But, you know, I can actually get an email now and read what somebody, I mean, it's like, I've really come a long way. <laughs>